Welcome to episode three of Life Etc. Today we're going to talk about traveling and specifically where to start when you want to take a big trip. And we'll do multiple of these. This time we're going to focus around a trip that we took to Europe and breaking down how we planned for it. And then just a little bit on the front end about trips, destinations, and um, you know figuring out where to go and, and how to get there. Yeah, and we'll add in some tips too about um, like other places we've been, not just Europe, um, just things to consider uh, in the planning phase. So the first thing we want to look at when we're going to take a big trip is where do we want to go? So Drew and I have created a list in our phones that um, or that has different destinations that we want would want to go at any point. Um, in our lifetime. So just places we want to go, things that look cool. And anytime we say, okay, we're ready to take a trip or, um, or we have this much money for traveling, we'll look at that list and say, where on this list of places that we want to go ultimately fits our season of life right now. And I think it's a really good idea to go ahead and sit down. It really takes I mean, it could take anywhere from five minutes to maybe an hour to figure out, especially in a relationship, where are all the places I want to go and where are all the places they want to go. And there's going to be quite a few that cross over and you can start, you know, often start with those places. And um, another thing to do is add on a uh, list of prices approximately and how, how long you want to stay there or how long it makes sense. So if you're saying, hey, I want to go to um, a place in the United States, you can go there over a weekend, over, you know, over a week. Um, yet, you know, if I have five days or if I have seven days, then I can take a trip to these places. Same thing with the places in the Caribbean. And yet, if you're saying, hey, how do I go to um, Brazil or Australia, New Zealand, um, Europe, then those typically are going to be a week and a half, two weeks, three weeks, just depending on what you can do and yet knowing these are the trips. If, if we're going to go on a two-week trip, you ideally want to go look at those trips that you can only go on if you had two weeks to make the most out of it. So when you're also doing that, you want to look at the season of life that you're in. So we kind of, in, in that term, we mean like before you have kids or with young kids or older kids, like what makes sense and what's easiest. So when Drew and I started talking about starting a family, we were like, okay, we've got about this much time before we're considering starting a family. Here are the places that we want to go now that would be more difficult to travel with a baby. And here are places that, you know, we could take a baby or young kids and it would be more feasible. So we started leaving those, um, those easier places to travel with kids on a different part of our list and focusing on the ones that we wanted to do without kids. And I think, you know, with certain places like Europe, Australia, New Zealand, just factoring in that it's absolutely going to be cheaper to go before you have, you know, young kids that you'd be taken because of the cost of travel. I mean, if you look at flights and travel, those are going to be significantly higher and typically the same as what it's going to be per adult, uh, per child. And then, you know, things like um, accommodations are going to be the same, yet it's easier if the flight cost is a less percentage like the Caribbean to take, take a kid. But also remember that kids under the age of two typically travel for free on your lap on airlines as long as you don't take a car seat. Um, then you'd have to, to buy um, their own ticket if you didn't want to um, gate check your car seat. So keep that in mind. So up to the age of two, you can really take a baby anywhere for free in that sense. And then the second part of this is really looking at the budget. And we talked last episode around budgeting and we actually have a travel budget. And so we base that um, based on the places that we want to go and the time between now and then to say, okay, what trips make sense? What's the range that we can spend? And then approximately what trips would make sense with that? And we'll dive a little bit into what parts of the budget to pay attention to and just a, a few little tips on the front end. And remember that 
um, in our last episode, we talked about the finances and budgeting that Drew and I, since travel is important to us, we actually factor travel into our budget. So we save a certain amount of money each month um, to go just toward future travel, whatever trip we may decide to take. So then, you know, we look at that um, that savings that we have for travel and we say, okay, we're ready to take a trip. How much money do we have in our budget um, right now? And, you know, where do we want to go based on how much money we have? Or do we want to wait a few more months, save up a little bit more money and go somewhere different? Yeah. And so one just on the topic and yet kind of a random piece of it is how to get there and how to see it. So if we look at Australia, New Zealand, we looked at the flights and basically what it would look like to fly from Australia to New Zealand and the transportation on New Zealand. And or hopper flights within New Zealand. Right. And we found out that ultimately it was a lot cheaper for us to go to fly to Australia and then take a cruise that left from Australia to New Zealand. And so with a cruise, as it's probably the cheapest of any type because it's the transportation, the food, and the accommodations and, and the things to do partially all wrap up into one. Yeah, and um, a lot of times throughout the year, Royal Caribbean will do buy one, get one 50% off um, or buy one, get one free cruises. So that's actually how we did our um, our cruise from Australia that went to multiple places in New Zealand and then back to Australia. Um, we, we did a buy one, get one for Drew and I, and that paid for our cruise. And um, we also got great deals on our flights to and from Australia. So then we were able to stay in a couple different places in Australia on the front and back end of our cruise. And part of that factored into time of year, too. So if you find a place and it's safe to go in off season in terms of it's not super high uh, for hurricanes or, or that sort of thing, then it's a really great time to look at, okay, how much less is it if I went during the off season? And we've been able to travel quite a bit more and extend that travel budget money further because of the fact that we frequently go off season to places. Yeah. I mean, the stay is usually a lot cheaper and it's not as crowded. Um, I mean, we even talking like a small trip, that's how we did Disney World so cheap. Um, we went on Labor Day weekend, and that's like a time when kids are back in school in all states, so it's less crowded. And um, tickets are a little bit cheaper because it's off-season, and the flights were cheaper. Um, and we actually used airline miles on on that one. So if you can look at those little like quirky things that can change your budget drastically, you can save hundreds of dollars, even thousands if you're taking a big trip. And time. Uh, for for Disney, we actually went through because the lines were so much shorter, we were able to go through everything uh in in half the time we thought we were in terms of getting to do all the rides and, and things that we wanted to do and that's a, another factor to look at is it's not just saving money. It's, it's saving time. And if you're really yeah. impatient, um, like I can be sometimes <laughs> and not want to wait on the rides. It was awesome. Yeah. We went to Harry Potter world. So not Disney, it's universal, but we went to universal and we literally rode almost every ride and we were out of there in half a day. I mean, no, no ride was longer than 10 to 15 minutes of a wait, even the brand new ones. And usually they're like an hour long wait. So that was way awesome. And so another um, kind of random part of it is whether or not to go all inclusive. So we've, we've looked at this ourselves um, and done both sides of it. Yep. Even on our honeymoon, we looked at it. Right. And so in, instead um, of all inclusive, we part of it has to do with what's there. So there's certain places where um, they say it's not not safe to go off of the resort. Like Jamaica, usually. Um, some places in Jamaica, some places in Mexico, depending on where you are. It's the ones where they have the little Uzi guns. And when you when you when the bus <laughs> drives you by, those are the places where you just want to. Um, attention yeah and, and i won't say use common sense because it's very different in each place yet just a little bit of research hey is it safe to be um traveling on our own in, in this country or in this area of this country or even in this city within this country that helps a lot to know 
And for so for all inclusive, really, it's going to be the cheapest in some ways, yet it's the experience. For us, factor if you just look at dollars like, and cents. Like St. Lucia, for instance. Yeah, St. Lucia, for instance. Dollars and cents, it's going to be cheaper to stay in the all-inclusive resort. Um, most likely, if you factor in food and all of the things that are in the activities, if you stay there. So for us, we like to to do more local things. We like to travel around the island. Rome, <laughs> get <Right>. lost. <laughs> yeah, and you can't you if you do that, you will not save money going the all inclusive route because it's assumed that you will stay on the resort. You will eat the food there. You'll have the drinks there. You'll do the activities there. And so for us, we've gone the route of not all inclusive, mostly because it it ends up being similar priced or potentially even cheaper and we can do all of the extra activities and it's not that you have to have some crazy adventurous spirit to do that because there's a lot of people that say wow I can't believe you uh, you rented a car in those places or you know you drove all over um, the island and did it on your own it's really just a matter of some preparation if you plan a little bit on the front end then you can have a, a an awesome experience and it's completely safe. Yeah. And you can save a lot of money on activities that you do. So we like, for instance, on our honeymoon in St. Lucia, we went zip lining. We went, um, we went on a hike to the, um, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the mountains. Pick, Picton? Pick, no, that was in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pete, Pete John, right? Yep. I don't, I don't know. Sounds <laughs> <Anyway>. good. <laughs> We went on a hike. hike. That's what matters. Um, We went to the Sulphur Springs. Um, We went snorkeling. We went um, scuba diving. So we did all of these things. And typically, if you book those through an all-inclusive resort, it's going to be more expensive because, you know, they get a commission off of it, too. So, you know, doing research on the front end, booking things through trusted um, companies like you don't want to just go scuba diving with anybody like uh, that's something you want to research anything where your life is at risk or you know you have to check a little box on the life insurance um, <laughs> policy about scuba diving you want to make sure you do your research and so um, yeah overall again just to wrap up the inclusive part it's a matter of looking at all the factors if you just want to go and it doesn't matter what place you're in what country you just want to have a, a similar experience of I want to relax. I want to not have to do anything or or put any thought into it. All-inclusive is often a a good route to go. And yet, if you want to do more activities and really get more of an experience of what the actual culture of the place is like and what the locals are like, then go in the route where you don't do all-inclusive. That's where you're going to get immersed more in, in that culture. So we've talked about the destination, so where you want to go. We've talked about budgeting it. So now we want to move into the planning phase. So we're going to use Europe as kind of our um, baseline example for this planning because it is a little bit more of a complicated trip to plan with how long we went, um, et cetera. So we'll talk about different places and other episodes uh, but for, for this one, we really want to focus on Europe and we'll throw in a couple other tips here and there. Yeah. And, and so for us, we thought, okay, we want to go somewhere in the fall. We had a little bit of flexibility around both when we're going and the length of stay. And because we had an ability to go for a little bit longer, we chose Europe. Mm-hmm. And so the, the flexibility of when you go and when you come back is really most useful around flights. And, and some activities to make sure that you can get the most um, budget-friendly flights there. And so we, we pick Europe, and then we pick where within Europe. And ultimately, correct me if I'm wrong, we, we made a list of, I don't know, 11 places or, or, or more places than we end up going yeah, to. Yeah, quite a few. Like, we just made a list of the countries that we even thought we might want to go to. So, Yeah. Yeah, and, and so once you have that, and here's why I say pick a list of more than you absolutely have to go to because when you get all the way down to the details of traveling between countries and amount of time you're staying in each and where you come into Europe and where you go out of Europe, that's where you want to start shuffling it around. And that's how we saved quite a bit of money because in which we'll talk through exactly where we came in and then we left Europe in a different place um, than we came in because it was 
quite a bit cheaper to do so. So we picked, I don't know, eight, nine, however many countries. Um, And you, and you can even like, if, if you want to really look at Europe, you can list every country you might want to go to, and then you can end up dividing Europe into sections, which is kind of what we did. Um, and we say, okay, we're going to go to these countries on this trip. And then on another trip, we're going to come back and we're going to go to these countries grouped together because it's cheaper to go to these group together. And then this other group grouped together, um, at the same time. Yeah. And, and instead of forcing, to say, hey, we're going to attempt to get to all of these. So I actually went in college and we went to, um, I think it was I don't know, 11 countries at the time and did it over a period of, of 28 days. And you start to, to understand how long you can spend in a place because you can factor in travel and then tr- get, you know, getting to a museum or getting to the thing that you want to do and then getting to the next place. And we completely wore ourselves out doing that back in after college. And so I would recommend picking it based on factoring in how long you're going to stay on each place. So let's talk a little bit about the length of stay um, and and how to figure out how long you want to stay in any particular place. I think like we really thought about how much it depended on the activities, like the things we wanted to do there. Um, You know, on your Europe trip, with the boys, you went to more museums and things like that. And we chose this time since we have a limited amount of time to, um, to not do as many scheduled activities in that way. Um, so you want to look at your, the amount of activities that you do in that location, the cost of staying in that location and, um, the transportation to and from that location um, and, and between different countries in Europe, for example. So, you know, when we had our big list of countries and we narrowed it down to, um, to less, we looked at how much it cost to travel between, say, I mean, at one point we went from London to Berlin. Do we go, or did we go, oh no, we went to Amsterdam first. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard to remember we so we went from london to amsterdam um on our first leg and on that um route we took a train and it was it was cheaper to take a train than it was to take flights and that's something that you'll want to look at um and it's it was also cheaper to go to amsterdam than to another country which is why i think we took it off our list i think we took france off the list because it was it was just kind of outside and we could put that in a different region to come back to later. Yeah. We based it on the fact that if if you look at France and um, Switzerland and Italy and some of those other countries that are further South, uh, we decided to go kind of in an arc up, up and over um, those countries. And it just made a lot of sense to go straight to uh, Amsterdam from London. And if you think about it, right. So, Another tip is make sure you have a little bit of extra time the first place you go. So we came into London and we spent extra time there um, a little bit just so we can get acclimated because it's it's a big, it's one of the most uncomfortable um, jet lag times. So it's oh, yeah. six to seven hours, which is right in the awkward spot. Um, it just seems like more of an awkward spot even than the 12 hour flip that we've done it in certain places. Yeah. And I was pregnant and exhausted. <laughs> right. I was, that was like my worst. The whole Europe trip was through that like eight to 11 weeks of my pregnancy. And I was so sick. So you really want to also think about, you know, your season of life and, um, and if you're going to need a little bit more time to relax before you get going again. Yeah, that's, that's definitely important to make sure. And, and even, even just for the fact that you don't want to go so aggressively and so hard that you get sick on your trip or you come back and you need another vacation because you went too aggressively on the vacation, which factors into length of stay. Plan for um, the activities as you're doing and plan for the time that you're going to have off, um, so to speak. There were a couple times where we were you know, in a, in a country in Europe and we would just spent half a day sitting and I think we watched 
Netflix or something for half a day because we were so tired. exhausted and, 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 and be careful because then you start feeling guilty. Like, Oh, we're in Europe. We have to do this. We have to do all these things. And you can almost ruin your experience yeah, if you push it. It's still a vacation. Right. And, and, and you had to work. I mean, that was why, how we were able to be gone for so long. So we went just for reference, we were gone for almost three weeks and we went to London, Amsterdam, uh, Berlin, Germany, uh, Prague in the Czech Republic, and then we went to Vienna in Austria, and we ended our trip um, in Greece. We went to Santorini for a few days, and then we finished in Athens. So for us to be able to be gone for that long, Drew actually worked um, remotely, I think, what, two or two or three of the days throughout the trip? Probably a little bit more than that. And, and yet, I think the key was when. So when when am I going to be working and in what location and how do we extend the time a little bit in that one? So it's not like, hey, cool, I saw this place from the window uh, and didn't get to actually spend any time. So it's, it's really just thinking ahead of like, okay, what, you know, where am I going to be the most tired? And starting to plan a little bit on the front end so that you get the most out of, of the trip and just knowing that, you will get tired at some point and, you know, depending on the pace that, um, that you go at. So you've got a plan, right? So now you want to take action and you've decided how long you'll be in each place. Um, and the first, the easiest way, um, to really start this and make sure that you're being really careful because when you're planning on traveling between different places, you've got to make sure that your timelines are lined up because, you book a flight and then you're like, oops, made a mistake, then you're kind of out of luck. So the big, the most important part on an international, like a big international trip like this is your main flight. So from America to Europe and from Europe back to America. So that's the thing that you want to book first. And um, the way that I typically go about booking our flights, um, no matter where we go, really, is I look at Google Flights. So Google Flights lets you um, track trips and it'll send you updates on price increases or decreases. Um, And I will put in our dates and usually I'll put in a couple of flexible dates. And I'll also look at um, the cheapest place to fly into Europe or wherever we're going. So for this trip, I looked at flying into London. I looked at flying into Amsterdam. I looked at flying into Spain. I mean, it was, um, it, it took a lot of juggling, but you can really use Google to your advantage there. And it ended up being cheaper to fly into London. And we even like when we tracked prices, we let it sit there for a while and we waited for it to go down. Um, and then when we thought it had hit its rock bottom, we're like, okay, we're just going to buy it. And that was once we bought that, then we moved forward. Yeah. And, and um, when we say take action, I guess the first place to start as well is to say when, like how much in advance. It can vary a little bit depending if you're going in the country, out of the country, and then out of the country like Europe or somewhere really far away. And I think we... we kinda, so, this one, we kind of went last minute on it. We were like, we just, we're just going to go to Europe. We were kind of in one months. of those phases of our lives. It was about three months. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, it was. And Australia, New Zealand was more than that. I think it was four or five months. So really, you've yeah. got a window. Uh, you don't want to push it too much, and yet, um, within reason, you know, a few a few months, three to four months, is going to be enough time that you can book everything out and and watch. Because I think from what we've seen, usually like Tuesdays, Tuesdays or Wednesdays is whenever it's going to be the lowest. And you want to make sure you clear your cookies on your computer um, so it doesn't like doesn't see you searching the same flight over and over. Yeah, use different devices. Um, and, and so I want to go back to what Bryn said around the departure and, and arrival. So let's just talk through what we actually did. So we, we looked at departing <clears throat> from a couple of different places and so talk to him about you mean what from you America? did with Scotts? Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe it was Scotts flights that we used for that one, right? Um, I've used Scotts flights. I don't think I necessarily used it for Europe, um, but we did use it for um, some of our other trips. So there's this service called Scotts Cheap Flights, and you pay a yearly fee. I can't remember how much it is. 
Um, it's, yeah, bucks. it's like yeah. 50 bucks, I think. I might be wrong, but I know it's under 100 for sure. And you'll get emails um, and it will tell you, hey, flights to the Caribbean are $200, $300. And it'll send you a list of places um, that the, they, they can depart from. So different airports in the U.S. Um, and then the arrival locations in the Caribbean that are under that $300. And then you can go to Google Flights, put it in, and then... Um, buy your tickets from there. So they do a lot of the work for you. Yeah. And, and that's helpful. And, and even without that, you can still play with it a little bit. So we look typically, so we're, we're in Northwest Arkansas. So we look at XNA, we'll look at Tulsa, we look at DFW. So it's, it's a five hour drive to DFW. And yet the flight cost can sometimes be significantly like way, way cheaper to do that. And so we ultimately linked two different flights together so we did a round trip from xna to new york new york Mm -hmm. yep and then we did a a round trip from new york to well it was a Mm multi-city is what they call it so from new york to london and then from madrid back to new york well it was from uh was it madrid or was it um, slept in the airport athens well i remember we slept in the airport we had a long layover in madrid and we almost missed our flight back to the, the U.S. Um, but yeah, we, we booked two separate flights. Now, that can be really dangerous. Um, and we almost, uh, we almost, what happened in New York with our bags? Or They lost our bags in Spain for sure. Yep, we, we, they, it got mailed to us. But actually, it came back a few days later. What, <laughs> what you don't want to do uh, when we went to a separate trip um, that I went to on a, a fishing trip, trip in Brazil, we th- actually used a, a, um, an agent, travel agent, that had booked two separate flights, and there wasn't enough time between the two. One of them got delayed, and we ended up leaving, at the time, leaving my dad and our bags um, in Florida, I think it was, so that we could take off down there. And then ultimately, he showed up and the bags didn't, all because we had pushed two separate bookings, which the airlines will not um, hold to. Yeah, if, if you mess that up, then they say tough. So the way that Drew and I got around that was because we did not check our bags. So we took backpacks and they were we, we could get them on carry on size, barely. <laughs> um, but we did. And so when you book those, um, separate flights through, I mean, we still did it through the same airline, but it was still a separate booking. Um, since we didn't check bags, we didn't have to go through baggage claim, get them out and then recheck them and then go through security again. We were able to just hold, you know, hold our carry on bags and check in for our flights on our phones and then just go to the next gate. Um, but when you come back, um, when we came back from Spain, we would have had to get our bags because they had to check them and then go through security again. So you've got to have that extra cushion of time if you're going to book separate flights. Granted, we saved a lot of money by booking two different round trips for that major flight, but we also bought the trip insurance just in case something happened and we didn't make it. I think ultimately it was about half the price. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a big difference. I mean, at least a thousand dollars per ticket. Yeah. And, and, um, we also left a seven hour, which ended up being very, very small window. I think when it like ultimately yet we left a seven hour window from when we arrived, um, in New York to when we departed the next one. And, Thankfully, we were fine, yet that one of them got, um, the flight before got delayed and pushed back, and we ended up with a lot less time than we thought we had. So if we had pushed it to like a oh, couple yeah, hours. we got laid over in Charlotte right. by hours, yeah. Yeah, and if we had missed, which was still a little stressful, and yet if we had missed that, um, if it had been three hours, we would have missed the flight, and you're you're kind of on your own. So just the key is making sure that that you might spend a little bit more time in transit traveling if you're saving the money and that much money and and just factor it in and then remember i almost got in a fight with the guy letting us board because he's like you can just check your bag it's fine and i'm like no i'm not checking my bag like i cannot let go of this bag or we will not make to europe (laughs) right bring us a little nervous around uh letting them 
airplane check her her bag well that was Um, the thing like if we had let them check it on that leg we would have had to go through security again in new york before we boarded our second flight out like from new york to london so that we wouldn't have gotten to london or my bags wouldn't have been i'm sorry but i want my bags (laughs) well i think it's just thinking ahead and and planning a little bit for this stuff so it might sound kind of stressful and yet ultimately it's just knowing how to to adapt and and plan ahead um, so that when this kind of stuff comes up, you're like, it's expected. You're like, okay, cool. Then we're fine. Let's just move on to the next thing. Um, so that's that's the main stuff around flights uh, and in terms of the major flight. And that's a, a big saving. Since it's the most expensive part of it, it can be the biggest savings as well. Mm-hmm. And then the next part of it is really booking transportation between the places, the, the countries in Europe. Yeah, so that's what I did. So I booked the major flight first, and then once we knew that was in place, then I went on to booking the transportation between the different places in Europe. Um, And I also used Google Flights for this to see what the prices were um, between each country because sometimes it was easier or cheaper to take a, a flight, and depending on um, checking bags, because it is a little bit like over in Europe, the flights are really cheap most of the time. So I think we bought one flight for like $49 a person, but then you have to pay for your checked bag and it's a little bit more expensive. Um, and pay for a seat and, and pay yeah. for pay for carry on. So it's, it's, yeah, it's different. It's all added on. I think that's where we saved a lot in having the carry-ons. Yeah. Um, and, and then if you do pay for baggage, pay for it up front with every one of those Absolutely. airlines. It's I think it's twice as much if you buy it at the counter. It's three times as much if you pay for it at the gate. Yeah, so make sure you know the weight of your bag. I mean, it's over, over in Europe, like no matter if you have a certain size carry-on or not, most of the time it depends on how much your carry-on weighs, um, which is big. Um, so you can do that. And then sometimes it's easier to take trains between, um, different countries. And what I found was that, um, you know, there's rail Europe, there's Eurostar, there's different companies over there that provide train transportation. Um, I think we use both of those. And then we also used Czech railways. So a lot of the time it's cheaper to, if you're traveling in or out of a certain country, it's cheaper to look at that specific country's rail line. Um, and that's like Czech Railways was a lot cheaper than using Rail Europe to get to the Ch- Czech, Czech Republic. meaning C-Z-E-C-H. C-Z-K? <laughs> like the country. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. In uh, Prague. Yeah, yeah. So Czech when we Republic. were going in and out of Prague. Um, uh, let's see. The Oh, yeah. So airlines and um, trains. So that's what you want to book next. So notice I haven't done stay yet so I wanted to make sure that we had flights in place travel in place um, before I booked my lodging because you know train times etc can change flight times can change and those can um, impact the check-in and check-out times of the lodging that you choose yeah and and really for that just look at the reviews make sure you check in reviews like is this train super uncomfortable and if it is can I handle that for the amount of time that we're on it? And, um, and same thing with the flights and just looking ahead to see, Hey, is it really going to be cheaper to take a flight because it may look cheaper. And then you add on your carry on and your baggage fees and you pick a seat. And, um, then you end up quite a bit over the cost. If you take in a train and it takes, you know, they're regularly delayed by an hour, which some of those can be, Mm -hmm. and it ends up being cheaper, uh, and more cost of, or time efficient to do a train ride. Yeah, and you can even do night trains, um, which we tried to do one, but it ended up not being available at the time that we needed it. And that, um, by booking a night train, that takes care of your lodging for the night and your travel. So then you're saving on a night of um, lodging. Yeah, and, and all that's factored you know, in, into the budget. Um, you can save quite a bit. You're, if you're talking about 100 you know, $120 a night and stays, then you get that money right back if you take a night train because you're already going to do the transportation anyway, which is really cool. So after I did the transportation, then we moved on to lodging. Um, and when you're looking at lodging, the first thing I looked at was safety. So the safety of the area that, um, that you're wanting to stay in. 
And, um, and then probably most important aside from safety is how close is it to public transportation, like the subway? Um, because that is the, the subway is the easiest way to save as much money as you can and get, um, further on quick timetables within most of those countries, especially in Europe. Yeah, the subway, the tube, the underground, wh- whatever that looks like, and or above ground and or buses, depending on the country and depending. Um, so I think it was... We only took a bus in um, Athens. Was it Athens? Yeah, Athens was the only when one. When we had above ground transportation in uh, Prague as well. Yes. And they also had underground. So it gets a little confusing around the transportation. Just make sure you're looking at all of what they have to offer and picking the place to stay um, just based on the fact that it's close because we found some places to stay that were way cheaper and they were like 25 minute walk from the closest transportation Mm -hmm. public transportation when you're tired that's not cool (laughs) yeah tired and and or the first time you get in you're carrying a a 40 50 pound bag on your back or drew was carrying both of ours at one point right right (laughs) i was like i can't do this anymore (laughs) And and actually, it's a great place to to make a, a plug for um, Osprey bags. Oh, yeah. They oh they are expensive, and yet, um, so we what we paid what was it 150 to 250 typically for one of those bags. Yeah, and I got mine on sale. <laughs> well, and we got that back and checked bag fees from yeah. from one trip. So it's basically a break even, and then you're not dragging a bag behind you, and it's it's okay to walk. Um, you know, you can walk further and go further, um, with the bag. It's a little bit easier to keep it near you if you're having to do public transportation, even though everybody looks at you funny. Um, and I highly recommend getting the ones that, um, break into pieces. So there's smaller Osprey bags that are definitely carry on appropriate. Some of the other ones, it's a little bit pushing it. Um, but you can like my, mine, Andrew's Osprey's both break into, a day pack and a main pack so the day pack like zips on to the main backpack and um, it's just like a smaller backpack that you can carry around town if you need to or it can be your quote-unquote small personal item carry-on and then your other backpack can be your other carry-on and it'll meet the um, length and width requirements for most airlines in the U.S. A little different in Europe we had to check them most of the time in Europe um, but we would keep our day packs on us um And then you can also buy stuff sacks that can go inside them easily and um, put extra clothes in those. So it's definitely worth it to spend a little bit more money on a good backpack that's going to be comfortable for your size. So like Drew has a, you know, large and I have an extra small and it fits my body really well and his fits his well and I could never wear his backpack. So get a, spend money on a good backpack. And did you, did you even take a purse? Um, I did. I rolled it up like for walking around Europe. I rolled up a small like side body bag. Did you use it? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. And so just keeping in mind, like with the, the pack for me, I didn't have any other bag. I just zipped off the small one and carried that because you get souvenirs, you get all this stuff. uh, You have food that you want to take, you have water and, um, it's nice to have a, a bag and especially with the Osprey, they sit so close to you that, you know, and they've got all the extra straps and things to make it comfortable. So I think that, and then just really paying attention to what do you actually need? Like you don't need a bunch of purses. You need a bag that makes sense, um, to carry, to carry things and being cautious not to overpack. So you also want to look at the, um, like when you book your stay, when you book your lodging, you want to look at the activities that you have planned for that place. So I would kind of do a general, um, like where, where are all the main things? Um, and then I would look at staying there. And if it was too expensive, then I would look at staying outside the city a little bit, but right next to a subway that we could hop on to get into the city or to the activities that we wanted to go to. Yeah. And, and, and actually just to wrap back up with the last thing for lodging, if you're looking at what to stay in, so Airbnb or hotel or hostel, uh, which the first thing I'll say is hostel. It's not, it's not that bad. Okay. They have, if you look on, um, I think it's hostelworld.com. If you're under, if you're 26 or under, you can stay in the youth hostels. That is by far the cheapest and best way. Youth ones are a little cleaner. And (laughs) 
And so they're 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 a good place to stay. When we did that out of college, we were staying an average of, of thirty probably thirty five dollars a night uh, for accommodations. And with that, you can also do adult hostels. Hostel World has reviews, so just look at the reviews. It's like Google reviews to where you'll get a good feel. If it's got two stars, you probably maybe don't want to stay there. Um, but just read the reviews, see what's on it. And um, some of them have private rooms too. So if you can find one and it's cheaper than an Airbnb, it's a private room in the hostel. It's not anything fancy yet. You can take that extra save money and put it towards something cool that you want to do for activities. Now we did not do that. I kind of vetoed that. I was, again, I was sick and pregnant and I was just not feeling staying around other people or (laughs) something that was not clean. So, so we went with Airbnb and um, a lot cheaper than hotels. Yeah. We looked at the Airbnb and then we looked at like, um, they're like micro hotels or I don't know exactly Mm -hmm. the name of them, but we, I spent um, a lot of time looking through those to see which ones might be cheaper than Airbnbs we our experiences we didn't find them that were cheaper that we actually ended up being airbnb uh, and airbnb rooms airbnb whole places and uh, depending on where you're staying it makes a big difference um, in going back to picking where to go there's certain areas that are way cheaper so prague was cheap quite a bit cheaper in terms of accommodations than London. So London, we had a small, small little room and, and, um, in terms of what you get to yeah, Berlin, what you get for is, what you pay. Cause London was actually a little bit cheaper, but for a, but it was, there's was a bedroom and they built a, yeah. in a bathroom, like, like into the room. Not like there was, it was in another room. They just framed in a bathroom yeah. in the room. As our trip got went on our, the places we stayed got nicer. So that was kind of cool. Well, and that's what, that's the cool part since we're west of europe in the u.s that's the cool part of going west to east when you're traveling in europe because as you you go um quite a bit of that does get cheaper yeah yeah yeah. we we went um east and then we went south and it got cheaper so in berlin for the same well right but we'll get to that (laughs) one for the same price in um berlin we had a like a whole private you know um apartment that was really nice and really cool in in a good location and in London, it was the same price for a room in the outskirts of um, part part of the you know, area where we had to walk quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to activities, we'll talk about um, kind of how to do that best and then how to plan for food and drink. So with your activities, highly, highly recommend using Google Maps. There's no other way to do it. In my opinion, Apple Maps does not work very well um, for ease of use in these situations. So what I did was I would flag different locations of places we had said we wanted to go, whether it was, um, you know, I don't know, just a restaurant or whatever. And we would um, look at like the groups uh, throughout the city. And that's how we would choose where we would go that day. So we'd say, okay, today we're going to take the subway up to the, you know, northwest part of the city. And we're going to do all of our activities around there today. So then you're not spending extra time hopping between different parts of the city. You can kind of locate where you want to go for that day. Yeah, and it's inefficient, and it takes a lot, a lot of time when you're looking at public transportation and then walking, because most everything it's five to five to ten minute walk, then transport, then five to ten minute walk. If you pick an area that you want to go to, and and you, you you have you know the nightlife things, the food things, the activity things, you can spend the time there, have less cost in transportation, and be able to get a lot more done in a very short amount of time. So with Google Maps, you can also download offline maps. And what that means is that you can still use it when you don't have um, Wi-Fi at that time. So huge. Yeah, Yeah. that's very big because obviously if you're if you're not paying for data on your cell phone while you're there, then you're not going to have that data when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And let's talk about that because it's for most a lot of people um, that have have plans. It's just a ten dollar a day flat rate for international, depending. We have AT&T. That's if what it is. If you turn your phone on for that day. If you turn your phone on, yeah. And it's unnecessary. So they have a lot of Wi-Fi there. Yet what kept us from having to use it was, first of all, staying together. Mm-hmm. 
so we didn't didn't have to turn on and then ditch me (laughs) right and then using the offline maps and that that was a big thing because i would be messing with trying to find wi-fi and she would already be over there have everything saved in google maps have the offline map saved for the city and you just route it and take off yes and um google maps why i say it's better than apple maps in my opinion is that the um, usability of that app is a lot easier in terms of signs and um like how it it factors in public transportation with um good icons so if you're in a country where like when we were in germany obviously we don't speak german so (laughs) um everybody thought we did because we look german apparently i don't know um but we we don't we don't speak that language so we were really using um you know symbols to get us through our transportation system so that's how um that's how we really depended on google maps and it was just it was just the usability was so good by, so the, by the way, you must also might get a um, offline translator that might be useful yeah. because we did that in several places where you, <laughs> you try to read check. Um, yeah, that was, try to type check. <laughs> right. You, you could, good luck figuring that one out. So we also want to take into account like your time because you don't you don't want to do everything when you're in these places. You still want it to be a vacation. So, you know, you can kind of rank the things that you want to do like these are the most important to me and in and then if we get to these things that's cool if we don't that's cool yeah and and just figuring out like being okay from the beginning of we're not going to go to all these things let's just find out that here's the ones we absolutely have to here's a list of 10 other things that we might based on the time of day based on you know based on the area that we're in or where we want to spend more time and it's a little bit easier that way. Yeah, like in London, we really wanted to go to a soccer game. And we did. So we planned a lot of stuff around that event. Um, so that was like a number one thing. And for us, you know, we're not, you know, Drew went to all the museums when he went to Europe with all the boys. And we're not huge museum people. We appreciate it. But with the limited amount of time we had and the amount of countries we were going to, we just did not have the amount of time um, in the day to spend half a day in a museum or, or budget. I think the key the with budget, yeah. you know, with unlimited time and, and money, yeah, we'd spend a year there and go to every museum and do everything. And yet it's just waiting uh, against each other, the things that you do want to do and being okay. Like it's, it's okay if you don't want to go to the museums. It's okay if you don't want to do anything that's so iconic that you just have to go see, you know. Go- We're not like huge we're not like huge um touristy people we really like when we go travel places we like to assimilate and like do what the locals do and a lot of times when i mean in amsterdam a couple of days we just kind of like roamed around and sat in random restaurants and just you know people watched and and watched people perform on the streets and it was just you know relaxing yeah and and we've found that out and and I found that out from going to do all the things and feeling like I had to go to every museum and and when um, you went to Europe the first time when I went to Europe the first time yeah and it just got to a point where I was exhausted and I'd gone to multiple museums and I missed out on a couple things I really wanted to go to but it wasn't like I guess the most not socially appropriate, but basically like, oh, you have to go do this. And everyone's going to have their list, by the way. When you plan this trip and people hear about it, everyone's like, oh, you've got to do this and you've got to do this. And ultimately, you have to decide what fits within that box of the things that you have to do. Otherwise, you're going to go take somebody else's Europe trip and then miss out on your own. And finally, we want to talk a little bit about like your food and drinks and how to plan for that. So, Drew, we budgeted for those things, um, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? So we we budgeted. First of all, we we booked out. We had an overall budget. Then we looked at the flights and that sort of thing. And and that gave us how much money we had left over to budget for accommodations, for activities, and for food and drinks. So then we took the remaining money um, and we put it toward accommodations. So we said, okay, if we use this much for accommodations, we have this much for activities and food and drinks. And as you kind of narrow it down, we ended up with saying, okay, here's our budget per day, uh, which I think was 
What was the amount? Two hundred dollars like for free activity and food. Yeah, I think it day. was two hundred dollars a day or, or somewhere in that mm-hmm. range. And so when we look at that, it automatically forces you to make some decisions and and think a little bit more about what you're doing for activities. So for us, we knew that if we went to every museum, the cost and the time would leave us with no time and no money to eat McDonald's. Right. Yeah. And and McDonald's. (laughs) Um, and which is totally fine if that's how you're doing it intentionally. I think the key is to start with being intentional about what you're going to do for food and pay attention. I mean, we didn't go to Switzerland this time yet before I went to Switzerland and the cost for food was so it was, it was probably two and a half times what it typically is in the United States. And what we decided is the only way we could make it work is if we literally went and bought bread, bought meat and bought cheese and just brought it with us mm-hmm. and ate that for most of our meals. And so no matter where you're going, just paying attention to how can I save a little bit of money? Well, and I will say, you know, like, you know, since I was pregnant, when we went, Drew was spending money on alcohol and I was not. So we also were able to see, not that he drinks substantially, but like if you have a drink a day or a drink every other day, that adds up. And so we were able to see how much I I was spending on food and drink versus what Drew was spending on, on food and drink because of the factored in alcohol cost. And it is quite a bit more. Um, so if you, I mean, not saying like it's your vacation, if you want to, you know, drink, drink, but you can save a lot of money by you just watching how many alcoholic beverages you consume. Well, I think in that realm, so everyone's known for different things, you know, there's, there's, um, different, uh, types of, of, yeah, of, of beer and liquor. And, and especially in Europe, they're so known for different types of, of those drinks. And if you can get them mostly in a, a store and go buy them there, then you're going to save a lot of money. So if you want some certain thing, instead of going to a restaurant and ordering their absinthe fancy drink, you go and, and you just get a, you know, a little bit of absinthe and you can make it yourself. Mm-hmm. And the amount of money that you save is, um, I mean, at least half. The same thing with, with coffee. I mean, something as um, simple as coffee and espresso, <laughs> it's a lot cheaper if you can, if, if you do have a way to, if you're an Airbnb, make it there um, and have it there and just paying attention to those little things that you do every day, you can save a lot of money. So um, I think that about wraps up kind of our big trip um, and how we like to plan something like this. Now in more podcasts, we'll talk about like the individual places and the recommendations that we have um, for those locations or how we, how we did it. Um, but, but other than that, if you have any questions about any of the specifics of this, I know it can get into detail, then you're always welcome to reach out to us. Yeah. W- what we'll, we're thinking about doing potentially is depending on the questions we get, having a, a question and answer maybe around travel for one of them. And if so if you just want to send in any questions, because we know we're not going to hit everything in enough detail. Uh, and and so we're going to go into detail some places and not as much in others. If you have a question that something that wasn't clear about how we said it or a further question about a specific you know place, um, just shoot us a question and, and we can um, answer that as well. So thanks so much for joining us on Life Etc. And we'll talk to you next time.